this morning from Matthew chapter 22. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you've been with us as we've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew for most of this year, you know that Jesus loved parables. He tells one parable after another. In fact, our biblical scholars tell us that the parables are probably the most accurate words that Jesus shared in terms of what we have in terms of the Gospel record. And as you read through these and realize how much Jesus loved to tell stories and parables, you begin to realize the parables are key to understanding how Jesus thought about life with God. This morning, Matthew reminds us how much Jesus liked to tell parables by saying once more Jesus spoke to them in parables. But then he goes on in verse 2 to say the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. So we know that this is a parable about the kingdom of heaven or about the kingdom of God, about what life looks like when you choose to lead your life and alignment with God's will or God's values. Right off, we get the idea that life with God is going to be a celebration like a wedding banquet or what more likely these days we would call a wedding reception, a time to celebrate that love has been found, that we have a time to bring together friends and family to celebrate that someone in our family has found love. Just over six years ago, my oldest daughter, Grace, got married. We gathered at the church. We invited friends and family to come. They turned out in great number, but after they were announced, husband and wife, we had a wedding banquet or a wedding reception where we invited everyone to continue to celebrate that love had been found, that love had blossomed in our lives. It was wonderful. We had friends from Enid where I spent 10 years as a pastor and my daughters grew up and the groom was from the same area. So they drove over. We had friends from here at the church from across Tulsa that we've known throughout our lives that we've known for decades. Family, of course, gathered. It was a wonderful celebration of love. It was one of the grandest experiences I've ever had. Everybody at a wedding reception has come for the right reasons. Everyone's there to celebrate and to support these two young people who are starting their life together officially in matrimony. 
What a wonderful thing. Who would say no? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? But just as we get this sense of celebration, of love that Jesus is talking about, using this parable of a king giving a wedding banquet, things begin to take a surprising turn. The parable takes a most surprising turn. Verse 2 the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Then verse 3, he sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet. But they would not come. Invited to the party, invited to the celebration. But they choose not to come. Then Jesus goes on to say, this king continues to invite and people continue to take it lightly to ignore it to be distracted be distracted they go to their farm they go to their business finally it gets even worse than that they're mistreating those who are the messengers finally killing them in the parable the king is enraged sends in his troops all of a sudden the celebration of love has turned to death and destruction people are being killed and cities are being burned what in the world is Jesus talking about? What is he trying to tell us? He may be giving us a quick thumbnail sketch of the history of Israel as he sees it, as prophets one after another have come to speak for God and they have been ignored, some of them mistreated, some of them killed. There's more here than just that. Jesus is telling this story, we would remember, at a time where his homeland is occupied by a foreign army. The Romans are there. They are in control. They are making all the decisions. Harsh taxation and crucifixions and any kind of oppression that they want to hoist upon the people is their prerogative. Jesus is talking about all of this, but then just as it seems to be too dark to recover from, he goes on. And in verse 8, the king says to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone, everyone you find to the wedding banquet, those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. I think Jesus is describing what God is doing through him to call everyone into God's banquet. It might be startling for us to hear. Certainly it would have been startling for the leaders of the temple with whom Jesus is having this discussion to hear that God is inviting everyone, the righteous and the unrighteous, those who have been faithful to Torah and those who have not, everyone is invited. I think it helps those of us who weren't there understand what Jesus is talking about. If we remember the biggest block of teaching he does in the Gospel of Matthew is back in chapters 5, 6, and 7 usually called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching to his disciples and the crowds. I want to read you just a couple of verses from Matthew 5, 
43 through 45 because I think it gives us a helpful foundation to understand the parable. Jesus is speaking here and says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. God's loving everyone. The sun and the rain are available to everyone. Jesus seems to be saying God's blessings are available to everyone. Those we think good, those we think evil, the righteous and the unrighteous. If we think of our own lives, I would imagine that sometimes we could find those memories where we thought of ourselves as with the good and the righteous and other times where we felt like we were not doing so well and maybe part of the evil or the unrighteous, the unfaithful. Depending on where you find yourself, this news might strike you differently, yet good news, nonetheless, God's love, God's banquet is happening and you are invited. Jesus continually appears to be suggesting that God's love is much broader than we normally think, much broader than just the leaders in the temple, much broader than just those who have done everything right or appear to have done everything right. It seems to me that Jesus in the parable is suggesting that God is revealing this love through him and perhaps it's a new strategy to get the word out that God loves each and every one. In the parable, Jesus has the king say, go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find. Invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Then the good news comes in that first part of verse 10. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. Everyone is being invited to the wedding banquet. Everyone is being invited into the family of God to come and know God's love and let your life be aligned with God's life in our midst. I gave you a brief synopsis of the story for the stewardship campaign. The story's called Barrington Bunny. It's about a little bunny living in the woods all alone, finding himself on Christmas Eve all alone. It begins to snow. He is sad begins to cry. I'm going to read you a few paragraphs out of the story that a little bit longer than I had room for in the letter. Martin Bell, an Episcopal priest, writes this, Barrington cried and cried. When he stopped crying, he began to bite on his bunny's foot, but he did not move from where he was sitting in the snow. Suddenly, Barrington was aware that he was not alone. He looked up and strained his shiny eyes to see who was there. To his surprise, he saw a great silver wolf. The wolf was large and strong, and his eyes flashed fire. He was the most beautiful animal Barrington had ever seen. For a long time, the silver wolf didn't say anything at all. 
He just stood there and looked at Barrington with those terrible, fiery eyes. And slowly and deliberately, the wolf spoke. Barrington, he asked in a gentle voice, why are you sitting in the snow? Because it's Christmas Eve, said Barrington, and I don't have any family, and bunnies aren't good to anyone. Bunnies are too good, said the wolf. Bunnies can hop, and they are very warm. What good is that, Barrington sniffed. It is very good indeed, the wolf went on, because it is a gift that bunnies are given. A free gift with no strings attached. And every gift that is given to anyone is given for a reason. Someday you will see why it is good to hop and to be warm and furry. But it's Christmas, moaned Barrington, and I'm all alone. I don't have any family at all. Of course you do, replied the great silver wolf. All the animals in the forest are your family. And then the wolf disappeared. He simply wasn't there. Barrington had only blinked his eyes, and when he looked, the wolf was gone. All of the animals in the forest are my family, thought Barrington. It's good to be a bunny. Bunnies can hop. That's a gift. And then he said it again, a gift, a free gift. On into the night, Barrington worked. First, he found the best stick that he could, and that was difficult because of the snow. Then hop, hop, hippity hop to Beaver's house. He left the stick just outside the door with a note on it that read, Here is a good stick for your house. It is a gift, a free gift. No strings attached. Signed, a member of your family. It is a good thing that I can hop, he thought because the snow is getting very deep. Then Barrington dug and dug. Soon he had gathered together enough dead leaves and grass to make the squirrel's nest warmer. Hop, hop, hippity hop. He laid the grass and leaves just under the large oak tree and attached this message. A gift, a free gift from a member of your family. The king says, the wedding is ready. You are invited. Amen. And thanks be to God.